Welcome to an exciting forum of alternative viewpoints and balanced ideas. This is Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. That's Nav C and Nav M. Confused? Don't be, because two halves always become one. Now join us for an energized hour of global viewpoints and shared ideas, only for you. Now, here are your hosts, Nav and Nav. Hello and welcome to Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. I'm your host, Nav C. And I'm your host, Nav M. Welcome to another hour of Alternative Views. This show will help you rethink, reshape and reform ongoing narratives. So I'd like to begin this episode on the concept of forgiveness with a quote from the Chinese philosopher Confucius. To be wronged is nothing unless you continue to remember it. And this short quote goes to the heart of our topic discussion today because it deals with overlapping ideas which revolve around the concept of forgiveness. And this includes ideas such as letting go or moving on. And we know that most people have suffered at some point in their life due to the actions or words of some, someone else. And this could be from humiliation, being slighted, a personal grievance or grudge, or even a traumatic experience such as a physical or emotional abuse. And these wounds can leave us with lasting memories of anger, bitterness and vengeance. And as individuals, we're often reminded that by forgiving those that have hurt us, this leads us to an improvement in our well-being and physical health. But as we all know, life is never this simple and there are always layers of complexity to deal with. And some studies within psychology suggest that older adults tend to be more forgiving than younger ones. And this could be because older adults experience fewer negative experiences than younger adults. And there's also an argument for life experience and wisdom because older adults are not disoriented by negative encounters in the same way that younger people are. And these are all e excellent introductory points into the topic of forgiveness, but I'd like to share something from my own personal experience, which actually became the catalyst in helping me to understand and embrace the concept of forgiveness. So at the moment in our house, we have a two-year-old cat, and she's a short-haired domestic, jet black in color, and her name is Pepsi. And growing up, I actually didn't have a pet, and it was always something that I wanted at some point. And I think most people will agree that uh, bringing up a cat or a dog is much easier when, when you're at a younger stage in your life because it's easier to forget about those little accidents that they do or the mischievous things that they do around the house. So bringing up a small pet as an adult is, is an altogether different experience because it's similar to raising a child, but the only difference is that Pets don't reciprocate the same spoken language, which obviously creates an immediate communication barrier. And going back a couple of years, I can recall one incident where our cat had done something wrong, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it probably climbed onto something, and then it knocked something over or attacked a favorite houseplant. But whatever it was, it caused me to react in anger, and because... Most cats, we know that most cats detest water, so I reached for the nearest thing at hand, which was a, a bottle-type water spray, and I blasted the cat with bursts of water and, until its fur was just absolutely soaking wet. 
And my initial feelings at the time were those of success and contentment and retribution. But after a few minutes, I heard the most heart-wrenching howling or meowling coming from the basement. And when I went to investigate, I saw the most pathetic sight that you could ever imagine. A little cat in a very distraught state, nursing its water wounds and its fur completely soaked with water and a disheveled appearance to match. But it it was the unnatural howling that made me realize that something was very much amiss. And as I began yelling again to remind the cat of of this initial transgression, it began howling in, in a way that it had never done before. So then I sat down on my chair to really just to take in the magnitude of this incident. And essentially, my my cat was experiencing uh, a particular stress like never before. And this was real emotional pain. And then the the most remarkable thing happened. Um, My cat sat on the floor next to my chair in complete silence and began to lick its fur. And, And it just stayed there until the moment that I actually got up to go. And it was this sense of attachment and bonding which which stayed fixed in my memory because despite the fact that I exerted my power over a smaller, more vulnerable animal, the cat went beyond my understanding of hate, revenge and bitterness. And this was because the next day the cat behaved as if nothing had ever happened and continued to be her normal, playful self. And since that day... My cat, Pepsi, has always become a spiritual guide to me because she was able to abandon previous hurt or maltreatment because of her innate animal qualities. And this is where I began my own journey towards a a path of forgiveness. But most importantly, learning to come to terms with my own human failings, in particular the ability to forget grudges and perceived wrongdoings from the past. And by learning and practicing forgiveness, this allowed me to take the first steps towards a path of physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. So with that short introduction over, in terms of a roadmap for this very complex method, we'll begin with the origins of forgiveness, how the concept was introduced into our lexicon, followed by a brief introduction to the meanings of forgiveness and its various processes. And then I'll hand over to Navsi and she'll begin her piece on definitions and links between positive psychology and forgiveness. So let's begin with a brief overview. Forgiveness is seen as a unique mark of character or an individual strength, which when put into effect, it creates a sense of well-being, better physical and, and emotional health in the long run for all of us. And forgiveness is beneficial in protecting against those negative psychological outcomes such as depression, stress, and anxiety. But it's also fair to say that misunderstandings still exist about forgiveness. And this creates, in the long term, obstacles in bringing this character strength to the forefront of um, an individual's personality. And that's because it's commonly mistaken as a sign of weakness and a tacit acceptance of an offender's desire to hurt. But on the other hand, the the benefits of forgiveness are very empowering for those who've been wronged because it avoids those retrospective thoughts of anger and hate which 
lead to poor physical and emotional health. And the health side effects lead to disorders such as, uh, in terms of a biological aspect, lower immune system, higher blood pressure, poor blood circulation, and coronary heart disease, in addition to social anxiety and depressive disorders. So on a broad level, forgiveness creates pathways to physical well-being and improved psychological health. So moving on, we know from a wealth of research that most healthy personal relationships will yield positive outcomes such as companionship or a sense of security. But at certain times, relationships are tested by serious conflicts when individuals neglect the other person's preferences or wishes. And under these circumstances, people will ask, how do people deal with an offense committed against them? Do they distance themselves from each other or, or do they forgive the other person? And throughout history, we've seen an array of, of examples which illustrate extraordinary acts of forgiveness, which are basically a testament to human strength and character. And a few examples of forgiveness towards transgressors include the abuse and torture of victims in Rwanda 1994, bombing victims forgiving pilots during the Vietnam War, the killing fields of Cambodia during the reign of the Khmer Rouge between 1975 and 1979, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa in 1995, and we have the, the families of murder victims in court cases forgiving the perpetrator, and the list simply goes on and on. So the ability to forgive is a very personal journey and highly dependent on the individual. Also, the magnitude of the transgression, but more importantly, the appropriate time span involved in forgiving someone. And people experience transgression, transgressions at varying rates, sometimes daily or over a lifetime. And Researchers suggest that almost 90% of people experience at least one severe trauma or fundamental crisis during their lifetime. We know that reflective thoughts on transgressions are natural human reactions, but often people ruminate or engage in introspection, which allows recurring thoughts of the event to repeat itself over time. And this leads to a level of emotional distress and, and the potential for severe psychological disorders. And forgiveness offers a way to expel these retrospective tendencies by processing stress and uncomfortable thoughts in, in, in an appropriate and positive way. So by engaging in the act of forgiveness, we reduce our suffering. We facilitate personal advancement through positive thinking. And this allows the individual to heal emotionally and physically, thereby creating future opportunities. And we know that research illustrates that how we respond to the process of forgiveness is deeply rooted in our cultural background, our cognitive processes and relevant belief systems. And most people will react by saying, why should I forgive? And as this episode progresses, we'll explore the reasons why victims should forgive and the benefits in doing so. And this includes removing emotional baggage, allowing new opportunities for 
personal growth and an end to daily suffering, the ability to heal and reconnect with missing link, missing links from our own life. And we know that forgiveness can be triggered through different circumstances, such as a profound emotional experience or a change in one's thought process or a shift in opinion by either victim or offender or even an acceptance of a, of a very um, important spiritual experience. And some people we know are more forgiving than others. This largely depends on factors such as age, outlook, personality traits, or even stoic qualities such as resilience. At one point in every person's life, they experience feelings of hurt, pain, suffering, sorrow, or being misunderstood due to someone else's actions. And it's during this period of turmoil that forgiveness serves as a bridge to mending personal relationships. That's because forgiveness is sometimes referred to as a very personal approach to letting go of resentment or bitterness and anger directed towards someone else or someone we believe has uh, wronged us. And if we look at it um, in a different perspective from the biological sciences, evolutionary biologists define forgiveness as as part of a natural selection process which has evolved over thousands of years. Although forgiveness and revenge, we know that they can be viewed from opposite ends of the social spectrum, but they can still be modified by understanding the human psyche. So let's take a look at the origins of forgiveness. So if we look back through history, we can see that forgiveness was mentioned as a concept in the writings of philosophers such as Aristotle, who focused on calmness as an emotion whereas anger was understood through the ideas of status and power, and the resulting payback was viewed as a process of downranking. So in other words, the offender would have to humble themselves by showing inferiority towards the victim. But the problem is that with these early philosophical viewpoints, they only represent part of the the full picture, and it's important to look at brief insights on forgiveness from religious traditions. So let's take a quick look at some of these approaches now. So to begin with, in Judaism, the concept of forgiveness first appears in Genesis when Joseph forgives his brothers for selling him into slavery. Other examples of forgiveness include the stories of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, among others. And Jewish philosophers have defined the path of forgiveness in the following terms that wrongdoers must recognize the action as wrong. They must confess to it uh, and express remorse and not to repeat those actions again. Also, there's a strong belief in being forgiven by God on the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. And that reconciliation with with others is necessary for all of us in some way to achieve forgiveness from, from a higher power such as God. Also, in the modern context, there there is a a strong conviction of forgiveness, which is present uh, from uh, Holocaust victims. So moving on uh, to Christianity, theologists have mentioned four aspects of forgiveness, divine forgiveness, interpersonal, self-forgiveness, and from a contemporary viewpoint, forgiveness between organizations and societies. 
So forgiveness, we know that it's a central feature in the teachings of the Christian faith, and it's closely linked to the doctrine of irresistible grace or God's salvation towards the elected few. And when we move on to um, Hinduism, the, the idea of forgiveness is described in the literature of the Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita. And Hinduism refers to divine forgiveness when individuals break rules and pray to a certain god. Also, there's a mention of human forgiveness towards a god who may have strayed off the path. And in the Hindu text, forgiveness towards one's enemies is illustrated in the Mahabharata, which details this epic battle between rival clans, which were the Pandavas and the Kuravs. And in one incident, the characters drop the Yudhishthir and Bhim, that they simply can't agree with one another. But later on in the Bhagavad Gita, the, the god Krishan instructs Arjun, the younger brother of Yudhishthir, in regards to a possible resolution. And overall, we can see that in Hinduism, forgiveness is considered to be a worthy practice to improve the, spirit, the spiritual well-being of an individual. So overall, we can see that in Hinduism, forgiveness is a worthy practice to improve the spiritual well-being of an individual. And moving on to Buddhism, this describes forgiveness through the story of, through the story of Angulimala and Buddha. So Angulimala gained infamy as the finger necklace serial killer, and he exacted a reign of terror across the countryside. And during a dramatic encounter, Angulimala confronts Buddha, but later becomes his disciple after changing his path and becoming a focal point for compassion and, and therefore reaching nirvana. So in the modern context, we, we can apply this by looking at the implications which relate to forgiveness without an apology. And, and should the same decision be applied to the uh, victim's families? So if we move on to the, uh, we can look at the scientific view of the origins of forgiveness. Historically, human nature, when viewed from disciplines such as evolutionary biology, philosophy and theology, contains the argument uh, and defines this argument in terms of good and evil, right and wrong, retaliation or reconciliation. And this implies that certain individuals have a habit to retaliate in, in a like-for-like -like manner. In other words, a negative response is repaid with even more negative behavior. And this points to an innate need to seek vengeance, to redress power and self-worth of the individual. This vengeful behavior we know is deeply rooted within the biological and psychological aspect of human nature. Uh, equally, some people, on the other hand, are completely hardwired to avoid revenge towards the offender, to avoid further hurt. But from a psychological perspective, forgiveness is associated with restoring one's mental health, and forgiveness is closely tied to counseling and psychotherapy in the modern age. So what exactly is the process of forgiveness? Well, the majority of researchers suggest that there are two components to this. Firstly, an intrapersonal, which relates to a person's mind, and interpersonal, which connects with relationships between people. And in general, forgiveness involves 
three elements, a victim, a transgression, and a transgressor. And forgiveness is understood to be a process which unravels the aftermath of a negative event. And it involves a multidimensional approach, looking at it from a biological, psychological, and uh, social perspective. And many people think of forgiveness in a very simple way by letting go or moving on, but it actually goes much deeper than this. And these deeper meanings refer to an uh, intergenerational, intergenerational approach because forgiveness adapts to shifting cultural norms. So, for example, certain people equate the meaning of forgiveness with peace and others through an absence of fear and some as an opportunity for, for renewal. So forgiveness also refers uh, to a, a different perspective in terms of a proactive change which, which actually occurs in the, in the victim themselves and in relation to the offender. And this is a very dynamic relationship. And as one forgives the transgressor, this leads to a very positive change, including a display of kindness, compassion, and generosity, and less negativity and vengefulness. So, interestingly, when we forgive others, we, we notice that it usually involves emotions such as hostility, anger, and vengefulness. But when we forgive ourselves, it usually involves emotions such as shame, guilt, and self-recrimination. So then, this leads us to ask, is it possible to classify or define forgiveness and if so, what are the definitions? So forgiveness has sometimes been referred to as a coping strategy by psychologists. And it represents one of several options in which an individual can begin correcting the negative emotions related to stress. And in order to better define forgiveness, a useful starting point is to say that or establish what forgiveness is not. And forgiveness does not equate to concepts such as pardoning or condoning. It's not the same as reconciliation, although this can be part of the forgiveness process. And two eminent researchers on forgiveness, Worthington and Shearer, have identified two types of forgiveness, and people will engage in one or the other. So the first one is emotional forgiveness. This centers around emotional experiences, and this has a direct effect on motivation. It involves moving from a state of negative emotions in relation to the transgressor towards neutral and positive thoughts. And secondly, there's decisional forgiveness, which refers to a victim's desire to control their behavior towards an offender. And individuals will behave towards the offender as they did before the event actually occurred. Thereby, this absolves the transgressor from the perceived debt. And we also know that decision-based forgiveness should not be confused with administrative justice, so that in order to settle a score, revenge is taken out of the hands of an individual and placed in the hands of society. And this is because forgiveness is largely based on individual change and internal processes. And similarly, pardoning is, is a legal concept like uh, administrative justice. And 
And it also, uh, this simply doesn't conform to the standards of forgiveness that we've just be, that we've just given. So now that we've completed a brief introduction to the meanings and definitions of forgiveness and its various processes, I'll hand over to Navsi in a moment and she'll continue with definitions of forgiveness and the important links between positive psychology and forgiveness. Thank you, Navim. Um, I will now continue with the main question mentioned previously, which is, is it possible to define forgiveness? And if so, what are the definitions? Now, there are various models and approaches which help explain forgiveness. So we're going to go over them shortly. First being decision-based forgiveness. This model was put forward by D. Bellasio, and it lays emphasis on a conscious decision-making approach to forgiveness based on an individual's willpower. It describes a process of uh, cognitive release by an individual by letting go of resentment and bitterness and the subsequent desire for vengeance. However, it does mark the end. It does not. It, however, it doesn't mark the end of an emotional um, pain or hurt. Forgiveness is seen as one's choice to let go based on willpower by isolating feelings of resentment and bitterness from overall hurt. This brings us to the second one, which is cognitive forgiveness. This is based on the view that transgressions are violations of cognitive structures such as belief systems. Laura Thompson proposed a definition of forgiveness where the process of transgression response in sequel are transformed from negative to neutral or negative to positive. Therefore, the objective, the, therefore the objective of forgiveness is directed towards the source of the transgression, such as oneself, another individual or set of individuals, or a scenario um, considered to be beyond one's control, such as illness or a natural disaster. This brings us to emotional forgiveness. Worthington defined forgiveness and, as something which occurs because of the need for emotional empowerment. This requires a process of completion with negative emotions such as anger and resentment are replaced by positive emotions like empathy, compassion, and sympathy. Now, emotional forgiveness is manifested by change in emotions rather than a change in the thought process, such as motivation or, be or behavior. Um, right now, we're coming up to a short break, so please stay with us, and we will see you in the next segment. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The special needs community is made up of many individuals, from children with Down syndrome to autism and ADHD issues, to those who may have suffered a brain injury. On More Than Special, host Jermaine Suford and her guests explore topics that are of interest to special needs children and adults. Our program is a forum for parents, caregivers, and experts to come together to discuss relevant topics. Listen every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. To find out more about us and the ideas behind our show, visit our website at gmc-radio.com. 
That's gmc-radio.com. Now, back to Good Morning Canada. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. Uh, great to have your company. In the last segment, we were talking about various models and approaches which helped explain uh, forgiveness. Now we're going to take a look at another complex area, which is the psychology of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a complex psychological construct, and researchers stress different aspects of it when they formulate their theories. While forgiveness can be understood as a situational response and as a skill that can be learned, it is also um, influenced to a large extent by an aspect of one's personality and as such term, termed as trait forgiveness. Some of us, some of us are uh, simply more forgiving than others and psychology attributes this to personal difference and other qualities that tend to be stable over time. Now, Unforgiveness. Is, is unforgiveness the opposite of forgiveness? Unforgiveness is not only the absence of forgiving, it is a complex array of lagged negative emotions. Research su- suggests that people experience unforgiveness after they experience an interpersonal transgression. But not everyone will experience unforgiveness when transgressed. Those who ruminate angrily likely will develop unforgiveness. The complex, delayed, negative emotion of unforgiveness can relate, can create a stress reaction and cause delayed neg- negative emotions such as resentment, bitterness, hostility, hatred, and anger. Because unforgiveness is considered a stress response, it therefore has direct consequences to one's health. The role of payback, i.e. retribution or revenge, is misinterpreted and assumes that the suffering of a wrongdoer somehow restores uh, what has been wronged. This is related to many Eastern traditions such as karma, which are closely tied to a sense of cosmic balance. Payback is a way for those who have been transgressed to regain a sense of power and control. And in this scenario, anger is a key component to understanding the idea of payback, and there are three reasons for this. First, anger is necessary to protect one's sense of dignity and respect. Secondly, anger targeted at wrongdoing is essential to validate the wrongdoer, i.e. to take them seriously. And third, that anger is essential to enact and combat a sense of injustice. Now, is there an association between forgiveness and psychological well-being? We know anger and hostility is manifested in our personal health. Considerable research has examined that relationships between age, forgiveness, hostility, and general health. The findings indicate that we, when we age, our health clearly declines due to the aging process. But this process can be negated through forgiveness. Also, forgiveness can help to regulate healthy benefits over time. As we age and acquire wisdom, uh, there appears to be a direct correlation because forgiveness tends to increase over time. Overall, the main hypothesis is that unforgiveness would produce ill health and forgiveness would reduce poor health. This is based on four theoretical propositions in relation to health, uh, unforgiveness and emotional forgiveness. The first thing, unforgiveness produces stress and can lead to physical changes similar to a stress reaction. 
Now, this the, uh, these include fluctuations in um, cognitive activity, changes in hormonal patterns, and irregular metabol- metabolism levels. The second proposition is that there are various ways to reduce unforgiveness, including the real value of an apology. Thirdly, researchers have analyzed lowered stress levels associated with unforgiveness by applying emotional forgiveness. What this means is that people will offer forgiveness and promise that they will never seek revenge, but remain bitter, hateful, angry, and fearful towards the offender. In addition, extensive literature supports the view that emotional and physiological effects are closely linked when reliving hurtful memories, entertaining grudges, as as opposed to those positive effects which occur when promoting empathetic responses and forgiveness towards the actual offenders. Finally, forgiveness is used as a coping mechanism and directly linked to health outcomes. In other words, the general theory states that it takes years um, for negative health outcomes from negative emotions to manifest. If there were no negative health implications after years of unforgiveness, it can be argued that the transgressed individuals use alternative ways to reduce unforgiveness, such as um, accepting defense or providing different versions of an event. This leads us to a critical point known as rumination. Now, rumination is a crucial part of unforgiveness and is considered to be the opposite of positive emotions. When something bad happens, for example, an argument or a lost opportunity, it leads our minds to replay that scenario over and over again. Social scientists uh, refer to this way of thinking as rumination. It creates negative emotions, leads to the mind asking repetitive questions, become overwhelmed and demoralized. The individual's uh, well-intentioned desire to think things through does not always result in positive results or a resolution. When we ruminate, there's a tendency to use a negative framework to modify the situation. In other words, um, we dredge up negative thoughts and link them to the current, to the event, creating a line of negative thinking. Negative emotions and negative thinking result in a very narrow lens to to evaluate the situation. Rumination has contributed to the understanding of depression and has been implicated as a crucial component in studying cognitive weaknesses that make one susceptible to to depression. Rumination repetitively focuses on the negatives in one's life. Um, It generates aggression as a response to a perceived transgression resulting in psychological distress for a sustained period of time. Over the, fast, uh, over the past few decades, uh, studies suggest rumination has evolved and it has new critical construct in the development of a depressed mood in terms of its role in the thought processes that precede and sustain depression. The role of rumination is also evident in a variety of behavioral disorders and mixed anxiety depressive symptoms. So this brings us to a key discipline of positive psychology, which provides a useful context and understanding of the concept of forgiveness. Positive psychology is the scientific study of what contributes to a healthy, flourishing uh, life, including positive individual traits, positive relationships, 
uh, positive subjective states and positive institutions. This particular field can help individuals to self-improve and prevent pathologies occurring when life becomes devoid of meaning. Positive psychology was launched by an eminent psychologist, Martin uh, Silman, who argued positive psychology will have implications in various fields like business, education, economics, environment, medicine, as well as other disciplines. Silman's well-being theory in 2011 has five measurable elements that contribute to well-being and are sought after for their own sake. So these five elements can be captured in an acronym called PERMA, which is positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. The model shows that positive emotions contribute to an overall positive effect and pleasant experiences represent a critical part of well-being. Positive emotions maintain a key influence for people and societies, as shown by increased uh, depression, anxiety, and hostility. The role of rumination is central to seeking engagements because in order to overcome the cognitive negative process, it's necessary to dispel pessimistic thoughts uh, to create health and happiness and success. Our relationship with those around us has a significant influence on our uh, psychological well-being. Research uh, is, be is beginning to reveal that pro-social behavior or voluntary acts of um, voluntary acts which aim at, be, at uh, benefiting others are linked to our health and long life. So how does positive psychology relate to forgiveness? Now, the study of forgiveness in positive psychology provides prime example of uh, flexible responses to circumstances in life which are undesirable. By defining the characteristics of human character and human potential, it's possible to develop a classification system of traits to measure positive outcomes. For instance, forgiveness is one such positive trait uh, within a larger set of traits that, comp uh, comprise, the, uh, that comprise the virtue of which protects us from behavioral Research has identified forgiveness as a key character strength that enables positive life outcomes. It is also defined as accepting the shortcomings of others by offering them a second chance. Positive psychology offers a framework and classification to those traits which make good and healthy life possible. These traits include wisdom, courage, humanity, and justice, and aim to address what is right about people. Hence, it sheds light on positive subjective experiences and also methods to promote positive interventions. What is the role of forgiveness in our, in, in our health? Lead physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease. Empirical research shows that forgiveness is related to health outcomes because it helps reduce physiological responses to stress reaction. Indirect me mechanisms also affect the link between forgiveness and health through the presence of social support, quality of relationships and religious connections. A few areas of health that have been studied and developed in the forgiveness literature include the effects of the autoimmune nervous system, cardiovascular and vascular diseases. 
the immune system, chronic pain and autoimmune disorders, um, anxiety and depression. Recent, recent research has also focused on the ongoing presence and linked effects, both positive and negative, of stress in our lives. Stress psychology is the study of how one's defense becomes activated by the body as a response to physical challenges, such as being, for example, chased in a moment of uh, life-threatening danger. Human beings have the ability to activate the same response habitually to physiological or social stressors, such as relationship problems or financial issues. The stress response becomes toxic when sustained and unfortunately many diseases in the West are worsened by the condition of poisonous stress over time. Um, things like anxiety and depression. Now, anxiety and depression are the most prevalent mental disorders. And as mentioned earlier, rumination is linked to depression and anxiety behavior disorders and substance abuse in some cases. Positive distractions or pleasant Pleasant diversions are considered to be reliable methods of breaking the cycle of rumination that contributes to these disorders. Major scientific discoveries in mental health have pioneered in forgiveness studies, uh, particularly in relation to forgiveness, forgiveness therapy, which is FT, and alternative therapy, which is AT. Now, alternative therapy includes anger validation and assertiveness to evaluate differences in psychological well-being. Research shows marked improvements in depression, anxiety traits, post-traumatic stress syndrome, self-esteem, and forgiveness among the AT therapy app participants. While FT, which is uh, forgiveness therapy, has also been used as an effective tool in the recovery of emotionally abused women post-relationships. Other psychological benefits include increased feeling of love, improved ability to handle one's anger and improved capacity to trust and release from the control of others and events of the past. Um, now, this also leads to uh, problems like coronary artery disease and vascular resistance. Research has shown that anger increases the risk of coronary heart disease. One possible solution to mitigate the toxic toxic effects of anger on the cardiovascular system is through engaging in trait forgiveness. Um, this brings me to the end of my piece. Um, I'm now going to hand over to Navem. He'll continue the discussion with an interesting section on apology. Thank you, Navsi, and thank you for those excellent points uh, on the ideas of unforgiveness and ruminating. And I think these are concepts which will definitely resonate with many sections of the population. So moving on, let, let's take a look at another aspect. Uh, and this is a very important aspect of forgiveness, which is how in many ways the layperson will usually conceptualize forgiveness. And this is the effect of an apology. And then we can move on to a final analysis. So what is the effect of an apology? So as we discussed previously, the act of forgiveness, and for that matter, the type of forgiveness, depends on various factors in relation to a transgression. And one of the most important predictors of forgiveness in relation to events is an apology or some type of remedial behavior. And we can see that the significance of an apology is, is, is prominent by just looking at the impact of 
victim statements after uh, important criminal trials. So in terms of a definition, an apology as seen as an acknowledgement of the wrongdoing itself, and it's an owning up to the guilt. And there are six main elements of a, of a complete definition. These include a statement of apology, the naming of the offense, taking responsibility, offering a, an explanation for the offense, addressing emotions or the damage done towards another person, and finally admitting fault and offering some type of reparation. So we can see that receiving an apology is a highly desired outcome because it goes a long way in satisfying the victim's needs. And when a layperson thinks of forgiveness, they usually mention the word sorry or remorse. And receiving an apology is vital to forgive the offender. But from a stress coping perspective, apologies help to reappraise the original event in a new light and help to facilitate the road towards forgiveness. And if we look at the mechanisms by which an apology leads to forgiveness, they're usually related to issues such as stress, anger, and uncertainty, because the victim is already experiencing a state of low self-esteem. An apology provides validation to the victim that the offender has taken some responsibility for the event. And from this viewpoint, apologies are so useful in reducing resentment, which would otherwise reinforce this sense of injustice. And the apology process is, is so critical because it represents symbolic compensation and it helps to calm victim anger, thus allowing the reputations of both parties to be restored. The effect of an apology on forgiveness is also determined by other factors such as the victim's individual disposition or the exact nature of the apology. And to complicate matters, other factors come into the equation uh, which could make the apology ineffective. And these are a victim's narcissistic entitlement or a defensive self-esteem or even a sense of embarrassment towards the offender. And it's also true that an apology could be influenced by individual personality. And the most well-known personality traits in relation to forgiveness are agreeableness and neuroticism. So in this respect, agreeable people, sorry, agreeable people are generally more trusting and they're more empathetic and they, and they prefer a peaceful solution. Whereas neurotic individuals are more stress-prone and they have a tendency to ruminate and absorb negative emotions. Therefore, they engage in less forgiveness following an event. So now that we've examined the various definitions and complexities surrounding forgiveness, we can now move towards a final analysis. And the first step is to gain a complete understanding of forgiveness. And we now need to turn uh, in order to do this towards the execution of forgiveness. In other words, the how, the what if, is this possible? So these are all important aspects of the overall procedure. And at this stage, it's very important to ask two broad questions. The first one is which experiences give rise to the dilemma of whether or not to forgive? And the second is which aspects of a relationship indicate whether forgiveness is or is not beneficial. So the first question 
addresses this issue of dilemma and it arises when there's a, a reason to ignore the other person's views or preferences. In other words, when we see an alignment of views, it's much easier to maintain a conflict-free relationship. But when outcomes are misaligned, there's cause for interpersonal conflict by directing blame towards the other person. And given the reality of these experiences, is completely understandable why we see individuals react in a self-interested manner with retaliation or by psychologically distancing themselves from others to avoid forgiveness. But it's also worth mentioning that not everyone will prioritize self-interest. So, for instance, certain individuals are known to endure hardship in the pursuit of forgiveness just to restore an original well-meaning relationship. And these individuals will tackle the broader issues such as long-term goals or the desire to promote well-being. And now we can turn to the second question, which is what are the features within a relationship which indicate whether forgiveness is or is not beneficial? So the idea of commitment is a major factor in, in being motivated or um, uh, bringing the um, victim motivated towards forgiveness because commitment refers to the intent to pursue a long-term relationship and is viewed from the perspective of involvement and a, and a sense of psychological attachment. And co commitment can predict various cognitive behaviors including a willingness to accommodate or the flexibility to sacrifice. And this involves a, a complete shift in thinking from I to, me, to we and me to us. And this type of strong commitment generally always leads to forgiveness, whereas weak commitment can lead to a potentially harmful outcome due to low trust and dependability issues. So this issue of commitment brings us full circle to our initial discussion regarding animals and forgiveness. And what we've discussed so far is excellent as context and validation, but we know that each person responds to forgiveness in different ways in terms of their motivation, their level of understanding, their individual disposition. So we can now ask, can the concept of forgiveness be applied to animals? Do they provide a deeper understanding of the meaning of forgiveness? So it's possible that a person can remain committed to a relationship despite the fact that they haven't actually forgiven the other person. And this applies much more to relationships such as best friends rather than casual acquaintances. But in the same situation, there are individuals who will actively contemplate the process of psychological distancing themselves in order to pursue their own understanding of forgiveness. And one area which can provide guidance on psychological distancing is entertaining the idea of forgiveness from the viewpoint of animals. So, for instance, do animals forgive people who've wronged them? And we know that many animals do forgive, but it's not the same type of forgiveness that we recognize within the human emotional spectrum. So what exactly do animals feel in relation to forgiveness? We know that animals certainly experience emotions, but in a less complex way than humans. Animals such as dogs experience basic emotions like fear, happiness, distress, and love, but they don't feel those highly complex emotions which are rooted in memory or social relationships such as shame, guilt, or pride. We know that animals don't harbor resentments or grudges, 
And that's because they don't have a complex neural network which allows them to forgive in the classic sense of the word. So then we ask, can animals think about forgiveness? And we know that animals don't conceptualize time in the same way as humans, and they certainly don't entertain thoughts about the past or future. But the majority of what an animal thinks relates to what they're doing at one particular moment in time. And we know that animals can quickly develop a sense of routine by identifying subtle patterns in our behavior. So most of an an animal's experiences exist in one moment. And therefore, this means that animals, it doesn't, it means that animals don't spend their time uh, reminiscing or engaging in retrospection. So this leads us to the next point, that what about the pattern recognition in relation to forgiveness? We know that pet owners mistake complex emotions expressed by their animals as the manifestation of pattern recognition. So, for example, if a cat is is caught climbing on an area where it shouldn't be and it stares back at you with a guilty look, what we're seeing in the cat's behavior isn't guilt, but the cat reacting in a certain way that you would typically react. And hence it predicts a behavioral pattern or punishment based on previous incidents. So then we ask, can animals offer forgiveness? We know that a dog is not capable of forgiving an abusive owner in in the way that humans might think of forgiveness, but the dog will link abusive behavior with certain circumstances surrounding the abuser. And this, this is why we see that abused animals in shelters are excited to meet new people and react with joy when handled by humans. But they don't remember the abuse of their former owner, and they automatically assume that every human is abusive. So many dogs develop emotional traumas, but in most cases, bad experiences are forgotten and replaced with newer or more positive thought patterns. And one example of perceived forgiveness in relation to animals is the way cats or dogs who have been abandoned or abused. Animals, shelters, we can see are full of animals who remain friendly and are eager to please. But but most Simply, uh, they just want to spend their, t- their lives with human companions and are willing to offer love to others. And another example is how animals forgive, is when we leave them for hours or days, and it's difficult to imagine what they're thinking in terms of where we are and when we'll return. But one thing is definitely true, that they'll always genuinely be excited to see us. So what can we learn from animals in relation to forgiveness? Extensive research shows that animals can have positive health effects on humans in reducing stress, anxiety, depression, and other psychosocial orders. And we know that many pet owners will agree that having animals in their lives has shown them how to become more humble, tolerant, and less self-indulgent. But why do animals appear to be more forgiving than we are? And this is mainly due to the fact that the brain structure of a cat or dog and their cognitive abilities. So the cerebral cortex of our pets, which is the part of the brain which is responsible for higher order thought functions, is not developed like a human brain to support conceptual thinking. And yet at the same time, it's this anatomical feature which makes our pets incapable of feeling guilt and it allows them to forgive easily because they don't have the cognitive framework to structure and retrieve memories. But as we've already discussed, forgiveness is such a complex cognitive structure. And does the concept of 
animal forgiveness exists on a multidimensional level of consciousness, one which is difficult for m most humans to understand. So, for instance, many Eastern philosophies believe in the idea of an endless rebirth of the, of the self, and our existence on this earth is basically to liberate the psyche and the soul from individuality. And humans retain the need for personal vengeance and the perception of the self as a, as a victim. Hence, forgiveness means releasing the control and grip which victimhood maintains over our psyches. So, as a, as a final point, this, this liberation that forgiveness creates is manifested by transitioning the self to a higher state of consciousness, not just theoretically, but organically through our own bodies and energetically in terms of transitioning to a higher self. And it follows from this that from the entire discussion that we've seen that in many respects animals exist on a much higher state of conscience than we humans do and the true implications of a genuine act of forgiveness is as close as many of us will get to a unique or miraculous event and that's because the animals that we see around us they possess a knowledge that we know nothing about or perhaps we've reached a point where humans have simply forgotten or discarded this information and forgiveness is certainly one aspect of this knowledge. And that wraps up another episode. Many thanks for listening to Good Morning Canada with Nav and Nav. We really appreciated your company today. To contact us, please go online at gmc-radio.com. And if you have any feedback on any of the issues discussed, please email us at info at gmc-radio.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Good Morning Canada. Please join NAVC and NAVM for another great program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you soon.